A random encounter at a broadcasting facility. A shared interest and love of all things Marvel. Excelsior! A misinterpreted program title. And behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick. Podcaster and comic book enthusiast. And Eddie Wilson! Upstate New York radio announcer still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter, what are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. Welcome everyone to The Marvelist Presents, hypothetically speaking, a Marvel What If podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and talking about the episode at hand, episode number one of Marvel What If? No, I meant of how many? I believe it's a nine episode series. Nine no, it's not no, it's yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, yes. Anyway, before we get into the usual rigmarole, we want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on them, the, our social medias. Take it, Captain. Go uh, first off on Facebook at Facebook.com, Twitter.com, and Instagram.com slash... The Marvelous, The Marvelous, The Marvelous. Exactly. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. You can also find us on individual social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Melnick. I'm on TikTok at Peter Melnick. But, but better. better. And you can also find Eddie Wilson on social media. Yeah, that's what I hear. Uh, My voice Instagram. cracked in the middle of that, by the way. Yeah. It's okay. It's a reminiscent Growing throwback. Pain. Growing pains. To, to poobs. Poobsities. What? Poobicity. Instagram at Eddie9193 and Facebook page as well. Wait, how can you find him on Facebook, though? Go to Eddie Wilson. Look for the guy in the sunglasses. There we go. Good enough. You can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio. What else are we on on there? Rus- RSS feeds, yes. all those good things. Yeah, like I said, find us on there and go on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, five-star review, are ever so inclined. Broken ever. ice cream machines at McDonald's, etc. Et ever, cetera. ever, ever. Forever, forever, forever. Is that supposed to be a song? No. You can also find us, like I said, on Thank iTunes, goodness. yada, yada, yada. Also, go on YouTube be able to subscribe on there, hit the bell, and you'll let like they'll let you know when there's a new episode. All that YouTuber horse shit. But we're on there. Subscribe. For some reason, our most down or most played episode on there is as of right now, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Don't know why. It's still that. It's still holding that current it's, yeah, it's like, number one position. It's, it's, it's like I, I dare you to knock it off. Hitting what? four thousand or something just randomly. No comments or anything. All or right. Whatever. But it, you know, eh. somebody's click is stuck. Maybe and just who, who I, knows? <laughs> just on loop. The Shadow Knows. But you can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash... The Marvelists. Give us a... Give us your money. This what? is a stick-up. <laughs> this, 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 is, this is a good place for the stick-up, yes. Exactly. For $3 a month, you get early access to episodes and our undying love and gratitude and affection. I mean, just look at us, you know? We're affectionable. Exactly. Uh, you can also, for $5 a month, get two, count them, two exclusive Patreon shows... Fantastic Voyage, where we cover all 102 issues of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's iconic, legendary, even Fantastic Four. So help us. By the way, this month we're going to be doing episode number 13, and in honor of What If, we're also doing What If number one. So last month when we made a big deal saying, oh, hey guys, we are going to do a special episode talking about Spider-Man number one, probably not going to do a bonus episode for a while. Well, guess what, uh, fiddle shits? We're going to be... <laughs> We're going to be doing also another bonus episode. Because I don't think I even want to know what that sounds like. Eddie suggested this episode, and like the look on my face was like, that is a genius idea, Eddie. So, Like a wily Coyote super genius, I, maybe, yeah. Exactly. Until Acme, the anvil hits me on the head. Acme and so forth. <laughs> yeah. 
the patent pending. But mm. like I said, also, you can get access to another show. It's our bi-monthly show. So every other month, Eddie Wilson gets to read stuff that he's never read before in his life in the realm of comic books. We're not going to be reading things like War and Peace because that's boring as shit. But Warren, <laughs> Warren, middle initial, Peace, yes. Exactly. Never uh, heard that before. Never, never said it before, so yeah. there. But on that show, it's called... You haven't read that? Exactly. And on episode number two, Eddie's going to be reading and talking about Watchmen, which, by the way, on my TikTok, at Peter Melnick, but better, like I said... I did a little video talking about the Suicide Squad, and I think there is a Watchmen reference in there. That's all I can say. Just watch the movie and, yeah, leave a comment on there. But anyway, $8. Boy, this Patreon commercial is still going. You can get uh, the ability to either suggest an episode topic for this here fine program or... Ben Grimm. Guest host if we think you don't suck. Hooray! That would be nice. Exactly. Also, go to belowthecollar.com slash... The Marvelous. And get a dad joke immune t-shirt, because God willing, if you've made it this far, you are, in fact... Dad joke immune. Yes. You get it. You can take it. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Good Lord. Again. Maybe reciprocate. Yes. Give it. I don't know. So now... Get what you give. The New Radicals. What a terrible song. I I hope Marilyn Manson kicks all their asses. I don't like Marilyn Manson, but I hope he kicks their asses. (sighs) Okay. But, Eddie, we're talking about Marvel's What If episode number one and it features one of my all-time favorite mcu characters essentially not an original character in the mcu but the mcu slant of the character has very much made a unique interpretation of the character much like how star lord got reinvented agent carter got reinvented and she even got more so reinvented in this episode as captain carter she bulked up she definitely did she's been eating her veggies and i'm really happy for her so, for the marvelous, I'm <laughs> I let that one simmer for a little while. But I was going to say that with what if, and the series has been given a rating of TV fourteen. Just FYI, this was a thirty-three minute episode. I guess the length will vary. Yeah, it, kind of thing. Th- it's you said thirty-three minutes. It's more like twenty something because eight minutes of Marvel Marvel Studios DC or DC. Oof, uh, the distinguished competition, huh? Well, we were the vapors. Yeah. I did like the Suicide Squad, but. With, that, that many minutes, eight minutes of, of yeah, credits and stuff? Yeah, because they have the basic credits, and then they have the credits for different languages throughout. At least four different. I mean, geez. Yeah. yeah but that's fine. Um, just as a premise, to start it off with, it's, it's saying, you know, what if flips the script on the MCU by reimagining events from the films in unexpected ways? And yes, this one, to start off with, I think a great start. Definitely relying heavily on the films, and you... And you if you've seen the films that pertain somewhat it's to this. It's literally Captain America, the first Avenger, but different. Yeah. And is you it, recognize the lines. You recognize, even if they're close to but not the exact voice, character, actors. You're like, oh, yeah, that's right. There's this. And, oh, so well, this line meant this here. In I, this case. I was hoping this episode would end with uh, Sharon asking if uh, Steve has a nephew. <laughs> but I digress. Yes, now, you do. In, in this episode, there's just overall the animation style I really really enjoyed the hell out of it and I got a very like it reminded me very much of the 1990s uh, Disney style very like you know the fluid kind of style but yet still having a sense of you know 
looking real but still having a cartoony flair to it. You know, like it reminded me of like Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast or The Lion King. Just well, and like you know, it's I'm glad you said that too because having watched this for the first time and just one viewing threw me back to Disney to the early '90s yeah. to seeing in the theater Aladdin. Barata. Oh no! And Boy. that was probably the I don't know first animated movie in a very long time that I had gone to the movie theater to see. Now, did you go see that because of Robin Williams? I had a or date. Barata. Oh no! Barata. You know what? That was an original. Eddie Wilson has a date. That was my that was my real real answer response. But I also remembered that at the end of Captain America: First Avenger, I had a date. Oh boy! So hey, we're on a parallel here. That's that's very cool. Yes, Blondie parallel lines. It's anyway. a great album. But the other thing that the animation of this What If episode reminded me of was of a, you know what? I'm not sure. It might have been Lion King, like you said, because there was something about the character faces and the way they were, you know, in sync. Of course, with not the group with their speaking versus their movements and so on, that said, yes, this could be if you did a, a wash, a wipe of some kind, you know, flip to you know reality. I'm thinking of the video for Take On Me by AHA, stepping through the frame, and it's from real life to the cartoony thing with the lines moving all around and stuff. It also had a sense of uh, Don Bluth style, where he was the guy who was responsible for the 1970s style of Disney animation with stuff like you know Robin Hood as well as the 1980s arcade classics. Uh, what's it called? Space Ace and Dragon's Lair. When you look at that animation style, it reminds me heavily of that with those, again, those very emotive kind of faces while still having a sense of human proportions, human realism, also has that elasticness to it. You know, the way the eyes look, the way this looks, that looks, the exaggerated facial features. And it's kind of cool because it also, there's one other thing that it does remind me of the comic art styling of Phil Noto. Phil Noto does like these different covers from time to time where he uses like you know different coloring, different filters and whatnot and makes it look like a snapshot in time. Just like a you know cheap little camera. I'm actually going to pull them up for you to look at right now. Yeah, because I don't have the clue, but I, I'm hearing what you said before about exaggerated facial features. Yeah. Well, that reminded me of The Mask or Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I didn't see that in Captain America, this this What If episode. Friend of the show, Daniel Kibblesmith, fairly recently just put up an uh, image on his Instagram or his uh, Twitter of Jim Carrey as The Mask. And mm-hmm. like, the, the app he's using can let you change colors of things. So he gave The Mask different colors. So mm-hmm. he made The Mask all white-faced. And let me tell you, it was pretty terrible looking. Just frightening. <laughs> But well, Eddie, it's, it's is, spooky season now, so, you know, it would be a great is, thing. This is, for example, his art style. Okay, that's and it cool. And does, it does remind you of that. It reminds you of, like, you know, a photograph, like just somebody took a camera goes, like, right there. Yeah, okay, right. And the facial shadings and so on um, do give that full appearance and quasi-realistic look about it, so I'm I'm there. And again, you know, I'm showing Eddie as well one of Phil Noto drawing the uh, Inhumans. Inhumans, yeah. Black you know, Bolt. Just, like at a, just at a dinner party. Right. No, it's literally at a dinner party, and they're just you know having conversation. The usage of shadows, the usage of a sense of it's nostalgic. It's yeah, it's, it's black very, and white very, essentially, very but nostalgic. but there's shades of gray and so on. Yeah. But the candid element too. Mm-hmm. And like I said, so if I had to do, use a descriptor for this show, it would be Phil Noto meets Walt Disney 1990s animation. Well, my descriptor says when Steve Rogers is seriously injured, Peggy Carter becomes the first super soldier. But. I have a complaint. I'm going to get this out of the way. It's just bugging the heck out of me, and you know it. 
you saw it, you'll be instantly reminded and go, oh, Eddie, Eddie. But it says, what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Thank you. Exactly no, I, my point. They're just like, wow, you're really complaining about that? I sure as heck am. It's grammar, gosh darn it. Well, no, because they actually have a proofreader, so that is grammatically correct. Oh, the proofreader got it right? I beg to disagree. Well, I mean, they got paid for it. Well, they got away with it. Well, you can send. They stole. You can send a strongly worded letter, and they'll be like, "Oh, it's right here." Rewind a, a little bit. Didn't you hear throw, the tone of my voice? Throw that in the crackpot file. Here you go. <laughs> what if Captain Carter were? Ooh, here's the next letter. Like how many why Captain make, Carters were there? Are there? Dear sir, why be? are you making Mickey Mouse so erotic? This is a <laughs> crumple, crumple, crumple crackpot file. How about this? Let me gr- break some ground here. What if Captain Carter was the first Avenger? Yes! Genius! What if number one coming to a podcast in your ears soon? Just killed my ears. <laughs> and that's not the yummy sound. Yeah. So, I am the watcher. Follow me and ponder the question. I am the walrus. What if you do that over there? Next. I would say overall uh, with the pacing, the pacing of the story for this... Some people were complaining about it, saying it went a little too slow. I thought it went rather well. It got me engaged, and by the halfway point, I'm like, oh, wow, the show's almost over. Yeah. It's kind of something that you don't really see very much in these kind of animated series, but it makes sense because you have the different act breaks. So act one, act two, act three, you're good to go. Like that middle part especially, for the most part, did not drag, but... Like all the other what-ifs in Marvel history, what-if is notorious for something that I continue to laugh about all these years later. What-if, blank, blank, blank. Well, they'll probably die, or someone close to them will die. Well, guess what happened in this show? Mm. We got the death of the Red Skull. On account of somebody who... it's, It's a Hydra symbol. Except a number of people I've been talking to have been speculating this. I got a message from Doug McCausland on TikTok about it, and he remarked, was that Shuma Gorath? And Shuma Gorath is the, uh, like, starfish-looking monster with the eye in the middle. He's essentially like Starro, but crossed with a squid. Okay. And my generation knows him heavily because of the Marvel vs. Capcom games. He's been a part of the Marvel Super Heroes game, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, and I think 3. But Shuma Gorath is a character that, you know, was a part of the Doctor Strange mythos. And now they're bringing, they might be bringing him in through this way. We don't know. But it's kind of cool to see. Well, that gives me a little reference because I didn't understand what the tentacles were coming out of the Tesseract. Some people speculate it might be the Hydra symbol come to life. Oh, okay. Because those are tentacle-looking things. Octopuses with all the suctions. Yeah. But. The grippers. One thing I'm going to speculate with this show and during the casting listings, they announced that Chadwick Boseman is going to be appearing in four episodes of the series. He isn't just in one. Hmm, four. Chadwick will be in four episodes, and that's what I had mentioned to you off mic. It is essentially my theory. This is all the season finale, the eight, the ninth episode, I believe it is a nine-episode series, is going to end with Avengers Assemble from all of these different multiverse what-ifs. That'd be a good ending. Sure, why not? To wrap it up. I'm torn. Possibilities are limitless. I'm torn about this because 
it's what if. What if is different timelines, different universes across all time and space. You want to have separate one-and-done stories. It kind of feels weird to have them all tie in for one main event thing at the end. Because then it's just a what-if of one reality in one season. You know? The nexus of all realities. So it's it's very, not confusing, but it's very... Uh, very strange how they're going to do this. Doctor. Mr. Doctor. And there's going to be a lot of different, in my opinion, theories of what this could mean because we're going to have the Guardians of the Galaxy show up with Chadwick Bozeman's. We're going to have Party... Like, they've been calling him Party Thor. Party Thor? Yeah, Party Thor. I'm guessing the character's like a party animal kind of type, whatever. All right. He's going to be... Do, do we even know what he looks like? I I saw like a Thor and it just looks like Thor. Okay. So I don't know, but we got, you know, some stuff coming up in the season. Like, I want to know then, if this is all going to tie in, how does it tie in with the Marvel Zombies story that we're going to be getting in this season? I don't know. It's another thing where, well, blame it on the Spider-Verse now, because you had the multiple versions of Spider-Man in their different realities and worlds and so on, and they all came together in one of them, and then they could go back to their own. So. Maybe it's an offshoot of this. You'll get all these characters in What If, and it sounds like a kick-butt idea to me. I just think What If could work better as an anthology-style series show where it's different stories every week, and it doesn't tie into the previous episodes, just one and done, one-shots. Because like, it's also yeah. great storytelling, to be completely honest. The best kind of comics are the ones where you can just pick them up, and it's self-contained. It's just one and done. You know, you they can need... be because yeah, when you're continuing and you drop a character here, you forget a thread here and a line that meant something and just gets forgotten. Yeah, I understand how that could be a and good thing. Mm -hmm. In this, you know, we had mentioned earlier a lot about this episode is it is reflecting elements of what were Captain America the First Avenger, and you know we're seeing characters make their return such as Dum Dum Dugan. We're seeing the return of Bucky. We're seeing the return of the Red Skull voiced by the new Red Skull voice actor, by the way, which I thought was really great, uh, Ross uh, McQuaid, I think. I don't have the names. He was the guy at Terrificon. He was next to uh, Michael Rooker. But, oh, thank you. Yeah, okay, right, right. All these different characters are returning from the Captain America First Avenger movie, and one of the ones that you know I just mentioned, Bucky. I was really, really disappointed with his... Uh, acting performance in this because you can tell there are some actors out there who excel at doing voiceover work whereas Sebastian's performance in this is very stilted and very like I thought you were gonna do this like just he was just there he, he was just reading the lines here's a few lines and that's why I think it's really funny when you see a voiceover actor act in a film and they do a phenomenal job and knock it out of the park Mel Blanc back in the day was phenomenal as well, a voiceover actor. No of question. course. Yeah, yeah. But when you put Mel Blanc and put him on like a sitcom, like an I Love Lucy, or the I think he was on The Honeymooners, but like just random sitcoms of the time, he also knocked it out of the park. The Jack Benny program, just stuff like that. You see him on there, and it's like, oh, wow, who's that guy? He sounds familiar. <laughs> and then you realize, oh, shit, that's Bugs Bunny or Woody Woodpecker. And it's like, he's doing a really good job acting his ass off alongside these other people. When the most part of him acting is literally standing in front of a booth going, uh, what's up, doctor? No, no, no. Let's change it to what's up, doc. Doc. 
Because also saving on syllables, and I can get more lines out from me. Economical. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But I love the idea of seeing some of these voiceover actors, and then also just regular actors like Haley Atwell, who knocked it out of the park in this as Captain Carter. She did a phenomenal job, and she is one of the most unsung people in the Marvel Universe. I'm so happy to see her reprise the role of Agent Carter, but also just kick all sorts of ass, both literally on screen and behind the microphone. There's several different aspects to her that I wanted to get into, and part of, you know, just whether it's casting and setting up the scenes and so on, if you didn't catch it, it starts in June of 1943. And again, we we know there's much movie borrowing things, lines, and so on. And what you might not very well get away with now are the, I'm going to say, sexist remarks. Yeah, because it's acknowledging After getting the the serum... And even though she's all, you know, and she's going to have to prove herself, you know, more than once, is that, yeah, she's been endowed now with the serum, and she's going to use it to a positive means. And then, as a consequence, Howard Stark designed the British costume and the shield. Dominic Cooper returning as Howard Stark, by the way. Holy shit. That was great to see. I'm a big Dominic Cooper fan, especially in his work on Preacher, even though that show was terrible. He was great on that. Also, got to give a shout-out to him involved in the Mamma Mia franchise. But just so great to see him reprising the role and mustache of uh, Howard Stark. And mustache, yes. Well, what about Mr. Slattery with his part that he had in his turn as Howard Stark? Yeah. yeah. Good stuff for him, too? See, I've always been a fan of him, but every time I see him, I don't think Howard Stark. I think guy who worked alongside Don Draper on Mad Men. Every single time. He's literally wearing the same exact outfit from Mad Men. So it's like... (laughs) Hey, we got the uh, Marvel Mad Men crossover. Awesome. When's Don Draper showing up? Oh, no, he's got a gun. He's the Punisher. <laughs> Which, by the way, I still stand by that. I think he would make a perfect Punisher. But I think it was something else. I don't no, know. No, we should, you know, have like some guy with uh, the Punisher, you know, the one from the Netflix one. <laughs> from Johnny Bernthal. Oh, okay. Um, fast forward a little bit to, to the scene of freeing the 107th and between Bucky and Dum Dum. The line's coming dum, out. Dum. Uh, since when? I think this was a dumb, dumb line. Since when did dames fight like that? Yeah, that does sound like a dumb line. And he, and then, and Bucky says, "Who are you, the Queen of England?" Again, referencing Captain Carter. Um, Steve, in the armor. Steve Rogers in this armor. The that, Hydra Stomper. Wh- but it, did you notice the the not only the star on one side but the C fifteen? And I said, wait, wasn't that a Loki-designated soldier name? I got to acknowledge also a friend of the show, Matt Cascone, remarked on Instagram. He was complaining about the Hydra Stomper Lego set that they just came out with for What If. Mm. And he remarked, and I'm I'm in complete agreement with him about this. They made a Lego set, and it's too dark of a green for the uh, plastic. Like, it's it's just regular green. And then meanwhile, he's like, they should have used a sandy kind of green. I'm like, yes, they should have, Matt. I agree 100%. Be sure to follow him on Instagram, at Matt's Minifigs. Matt's Minifigs, that's right. Yeah, not the other one. Well, he's got a couple. Well, you can follow him on the other one, but Minifigs is the cool one. Yeah, It's not the green I had in my head. It's just really funny, though, seeing those costumes. And also, you had mentioned prior, um, who else was there? There was the, uh, with, ca- with uh, oh, Captain Britain, or Captain Carter. And I keep wanting to call her Captain Britain. She literally has the shield with the British flag on there, the UK flag, and it's... It matches her top. I get you know. that, but I keep wanting to call her Captain Britain, and I love how they won't call her Captain Britain. <laughs> yes. I love that fact, but it's also on the flip side, like, 
oh, because she's in the U.S. Army, so you can't call her Captain Britain. That would not make any sense. But I love the fact that they steered clear so much. I think it would have been great if they could have gone, oh, what are you going to call you, Captain Britain? And then somebody cuts them off, like right then and there. Sure. You know, do do a cheeky little That joke. just immediately reminded me of, um, I guess it was the second X-Men movie. Oh, what did you expect, the uh, yellow spandex, yeah. you know, kind of thing. But it's like, you know, just the joke for the nerd in his basement going, you guys, yeah. you guys, they, they almost acknowledged Captain Britain. Mr. Brian Braddock, right? Yeah. I was trying to figure out his name. That's why I was stalling Oh, okay, time. yeah. Let's hear it for Captain Carter. USA, USA. <laughs> I thought what was kind of cool was the intermingling, if you will, of the uh, the midair pilot plane smashing with, with Captain Carter, kind of like jumping from one plane to another. And you've had that, you know, nineteen forties big band music playing in the background. I that's, loved that's that montage oh so much. And it, again, they Marvel is really good at creating things, curating their soundtracks, making it seem as authentic as humanly possible. That's why, like. You know, going back over to the movie, but like I remember being heavily disappointed with the soundtrack for Captain Marvel, and yet on the flip side, it was actually a perfect soundtrack for what it was trying to be. A lot of those bands I wasn't really a fan of, so I don't really care, but it emulated that mid 1990s style. Absolutely. Perfect. No, I thought it was very well done and recognizable to, you know, Setting it in that time frame, and I'm going to say capturing the movie-going audience that remembers that music, which is now like 25 years old. Soundtrack curating is a really, really, really fine art when you think about it. Because you want to, first off, you want to be able to help give the atmosphere of the time period, the music of what's going on at the time. But you also want to be able to help tell a story through those elements of the soundtrack, you know? Yeah, so... 70s Guardians of the Galaxy, 90s Captain Marvel. Which, by the way, thank you for not saying 80s for Guardians of the Galaxy because there are a lot of people out there that think the Guardians movies have 80s music. They well, the they haven't spoken to me yet. Mm-hmm. They It cuts off at 79. Because then it's the 80s, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but no, but they never used 80s music. I, and that's my little bone of contention whenever I see people like, oh, here comes Star-Lord, and they're playing Billy Jean as he's walking by. I'm like, shut what? up. That's... Like it's so weird. Like in the Guardians of the Galaxy animated series, they use '80s music. Oh. In the Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale games, they used '80s music. In the trailer for the new Guardians of the Galaxy game, as we discussed on a previous episode, Bonnie Tyler's "Holding Out for a Hero" is the theme song for the game. Yeah, no, I I'm not into the game thing, so I had no. But it's annoying yeah. when you know James Gunn's vision was up to '79. Yeah. So movie. 70s. Yeah. They, there we go. They do such a phenomenal. Like, and this is not blowing smoke up Marvel's ass. Like, furthest thing from it. I just think they, these movies do a phenomenal job of curating soundtracks, much like this show. And honestly, much like, though, again, I keep talking about it, but I keep thinking back to WandaVision. The soundtrack for that is beyond stellar. For WandaVision? Yeah. Well, it's Daydream suiting the. Believer. Yeah, it's suiting the time frame of, you know, what show they were in, whether it be something from the 60s or a different decade. Yeah, exactly. Very important to have the sound go with the visual. It's a match. That's all it is. And I just have a couple other notes on this episode, really. Uh, And that was the the quips, if you will, or the verbal interchange between, let's say, Carter and, and Howard in trying to get Howard to join the fight against Hydra, that Carter says, uh, come on, Howard, we might need you to push a button. Yeah. 
things like that. Carter says, uh, who needs a plan? I have a shield. It's and a, I don't think she was coming off as being arrogant or anything. Going back to the line of Howard with the push the button, it kind of is the just very much dismissive of who he is as a character when his son is one of the most important characters in the Marvel <laughs> universe where he did more he definitely did more than push buttons he rode in things he rode shot, in things that's right lasers. exactly good old tony stank and so what is the response to who needs a plan i have a shield what does he say he says uh, a, a shield is not a plan and we you know we go from there but yeah uh, and then the last thing as we get very much towards the end was the tesseract with the the, the octopus like creature in it and Captain Carter goes in as well, but then later, when I guess they it is activated years in the future, 70 years, when we have the scene with Nick Fury and saying, you know, you've been in there for 70 years to Captain Carter. And, you know, you see that element of her sorrow and sadness in regards to Steve's gone. Or, you know, once again, the war is over but also my the love of my life is long gone now. Right, they were going to have their dance. And and there's a line that, you know, I was having a conversation with uh, Di of Stark Contrast, and the remark, you know, I had remarked to her about with it was my favorite line in the whole episode was, did you miss me every second? That, yeah, that I remember enca- that. That encapsulates the entire relationship between Captain Carter and Steve Rogers. And by the way, one thing I will remark is Chris Evans was not in this episode reprising the role of Steve Rogers. However, the person that they chose to replace him, perfect sound alike. They did a phenomenal job getting somebody who sounded almost identical to what Chris Evans sounds like. Whereas, meanwhile, Sebastian Stan somehow found a way to not sound like Sebastian Stan. I'm not really, so much, right. The, I was just happy that Steve got to be in some kind of armor and actually do some fighting because that was his true inner spirit, what he, he wanted to do. He got to do something even though he, was like a he dork- got shot. And, he was like know. a dorky Mr. Burns when he ends up falling over in the suit and just basically did nothing. Like you breathe on him and he falls over. Like that, that's, you know, I again, I love that element of the Steve Rogers character where he's this weak little dork and doesn't know what he's doing. But... Overall, I'd say this was a fun episode. It's a it's a good start to the series. Am I fully impressed? Not really, because we haven't gotten to everything yet. But maybe if, we will. I you know, prove me wrong, Marvel and Disney. <laughs> Do your damnedest. Prove me wrong, because at the end of the day, with Loki, Loki was okay to me. I'm but meanwhile, everyone's still talking about it all these weeks later. I do want to revisit it. I badly want to revisit it. Prove me wrong. It's a good start to this what if, hypothetically speaking. Would you say series. It's, would you say it's a three out of five, Eddie? For sure. Well, it had the comic character, so you know it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I would say overall though, story wise, it's literally note for note first Avenger, which in itself is a good movie. So I would say you can't really deviate much, but it's a lot of stuff like you're doing something and the audience is reacting like, oh, my God, you guys, did you see that? I remember that, the scene in the movie. Ho, ho, ho. Good. So there's relatability, so there's an interest in seeing, all right, what are they going to do to make it different but, but similar like, and not go too far and get the viewer lost? I would like to see deviations, though. 
I think deviate like that's why the the Marvel Zombies episode I'm beyond curious to see mm. how that's going to work. And mm. yes, I realize you know Beyonder and the Watcher and all that. I don't care. They're but all they're all where you know like, Rockwell. Yeah. Wow, what a reference! Somebody's watching the, me. The Jerry curl. Not on you. No way. Oh, I'd look it's, great. Just, it's all about would, the music. I would look great in a Jerry I curl. I could do this with my eyes closed. Let not after Jerry I'll, curl. I'll let the soul glow. But way to go, Jerry! I would say, yeah, you know, not the greatest episode of you know, not the greatest start to a series. But I'm very interested in seeing where it's going to go from here. I think though, by establishing what the main difference is in the story that we do know yeah and then keeping some of the other elements intact like oh it could have been like this except for this one major or maybe not so minor difference so all these other things could still come into play yeah no doubt just a girl yes captain marvel been there okay yeah spider webs anyway so i think that's gonna wrap this episode up for this week uh number one number one coming down the pipeline by the way if you're interested if you're just listening to The Marvelists for our TV and movie recaps, we got some other stuff coming down the line, including this upcoming week, our interview with legendary comics creator Jim Starlin. And then in two weeks, we got an interview with Chris Claremont, the guy in- involved with what makes the X-Men the X-Men from 1975 all the way to 1991. So, yeah, stay tuned, true believers, and enjoy what you got coming up. Good stuff. Thanks for being there. For The Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior, even though you normally say that to me.